Hi, everyone, and welcome to Own Your Voice, the place to find support to create ease, joy, and ownership in your life, career, and relationships. My name is Tana Dimitrova. I'm your host, and I'm also a life and career coach. I'm deeply passionate to help people step into their full potential and create their best life, a life on their own terms. My goal with this show is to reach and impact as many people as possible. The show is available as a podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and as well as on YouTube in a video format. In this show, we'll be bringing you interviews with thought leaders, creatives, people from various fields. I'll also be sharing my own personal tips and practices to support you on your way to creating a life on your own terms. So today's episode is Own Your Worth. And I have a very special guest, um, a brilliant coach, my personal coach, Lisa Husseini. And she'll share uh, a little bit about her book, that she just released as well as some upcoming events that you could take advantage of. This is going to be really helpful for a lot of you who are struggling with self-worth, with your relationship with yourself and really finding more self-love and self-acceptance. It's something that's at the core of who we are and it affects every single aspect of our lives. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed, please rave and review it and share it with your friends. Thank you. Hi everyone and welcome to Own Your Voice. I'm so excited to welcome our guest, a brilliant coach, my personal coach. First, welcome Lisa. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So Lisa, amongst being a brilliant coach, she in the past, she's worked for iCadence as a CEO. She has previously held positions in New England Conservatory, New World Symphony, Seraphic Fire, and also holds degrees in the Hart School and New England Conservatory with continued studies at the Conservatory of Amsterdam, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and Harvard University. Lisa was named a Miami leader uh, in 2016 and serves on numerous committees and boards of nonprofit organizations around the US. So this is your official uh, bio, but I was wondering, is there something else you wanna add for, that the audience needs to know about you that's not in your professional bio? Um, I think that, well, I guess on the professional front, my book is not in my professional bio. I'm a new author. I just released a book, which I think we're going to talk about later today. Exactly. Um, and aside from that, the part of my bio that, you know, will never be written, or maybe it will be written, but it's not written yet, is that I'm um, a pretty large introvert, homebody type of person who um, enjoys nothing more than binging on Netflix and, um yeah, just like, just like everybody else, I think. You have such an incredible career. And I was just thinking about this as I was preparing for the interview. You started as a musician. And then I feel like every step you've taken in your career, it's just grown exponentially in both your experience and skills and the way you serve people and the way you show up in the world, the way you express yourself. So I'm curious to build that kind of career in such a short amount of time because you're still so young. How do you think it was all deliberate? Was there certain steps you were taking and you, this is kind of, kind of, kind of how you've been envisioning your career or was it this career a byproduct of something you've been doing consistently and now you look back and see, well, I did something and this is what it came up to. How do you see it? Yeah, I would say more the latter. I mean, for me, I, um, 
I went into my flute career really wanting to be an orchestral player and really pursuing that with all my heart. Uh, I don't know if this is your experience. I know it's many musicians experience where in high school and college, especially in the classical music world, there's this belief that if you have a backup plan, like that's going to make you a worse musician. And I fully subscribed to that belief for many years. So um, absolutely, I did not see this coming overtly. So I think there's two things. First of all, I, um, I was talking to a friend recently and she was like, it's so interesting that you're a coach now. It makes so much sense based on you your whole life like being really interested in why people think do things and what makes people tick and so I think there were hints along the way that this was ultimately what existed but there were also many roadblocks along the way that prevented me from seeing that this was in my future but there's a story I tell and it's actually from high school and I have to credit my mom um in high school my parents and I, I was very lucky. Um, I didn't have to have an after-school job. And my parents and I had an agreement that as long as I was really active in extracurriculars, like they didn't have a moral expectation that I'd get an after-school job. So there was no financial need and, and they were like, your extracurriculars are your job. So I graduated high school. It was the summer of my senior year. And I went to ask my parents for money. <laughs> and they were like, get a job. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And so I went and I applied to all of the jobs that my friends were doing, which were like waitress jobs, or there was a local ice cream place that everybody worked, but nobody would hire me because I didn't have any food service experience. And I was like, mom, see, I can't get a job. You're just going to have to give me money. Like I really was like, committed and she handed me a phone book and she was like surely some dentist's office doctor's office lawyer's office insurance agency needs filing help come back to me when you've called all of them and I there's this character I have in my head that when I'm throwing an internal tantrum it's like the fainting like hand back like <sighs> like melting into a puddle I I did that both internally and externally. I was like, what, this evil woman? And so I did, I sat on her, I remember her room was the only one that was air conditioned during the summer. So I was like, well, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna sit in your cold room. And she was like, fine. So I went to the room with the, sitting on her bed with the phone book and I called 80 places. <clears throat> and so the first 79, said no or didn't respond or didn't and I was so mad it, it took place over two days the 80th one was this insurance agency that was actually like a two-minute walk from my house they were like yep come in tomorrow with your resume and they hired me I ended up working there for four years you know in the summers at college and it was like the best job ever and that experience I feel like I've applied to every new endeavor. So when I made the switch from performance to administration, it was like, how much can I learn? And it's like, if I can't learn it through that path, 
who do I need to ask? Do I need to ask the next person? Applying for jobs, same thing. Um, the move from New World to Seraphic Fire, which was a significant jump in my professional experience. I applied, I think in total to like 120 jobs for that shift um, because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Starting as a coach, I, um, and maybe we'll get into this later, I know a lot of coaches um, worry about being very cringe in reaching out to people. And I totally appreciate that. I also worry about that. And I pushed myself to do it. I was like, okay, we're going to experiment and grow out of this sooner. So um, that's kind of the, if I could attribute the success I've had thus far to anything other than, again, you know, a mixture of experience and luck and all the things that go in, it's that, that mindset has really served me well. So thanks, mom. That's fantastic. It's so true. It's that tenacity that it, that kind of mindset where you see everything is an opportunity. There is no, no, there's no stopping. And it's so rare. It's, it's, and it's hard to build up. And so great that your parents kind of build it up early on. Yeah. So important for all of us in all professions too, and especially coaching, but also everywhere people tend to see lack of opportunity so easily when we can learn if we just kind of push ourselves. Well, especially because as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm an introvert. Um, and I saw this a lot of musicians when I worked at iCadenza. It's like musicians trying to get new opportunities or work with an agent or whatever it is. And there can be a real resistance up front to, to really understanding that there are th certain things in life that are numbers games. I, I'm also a believer that like the numbers game portion ideally only lasts a small amount of time. But when we're trying to launch into a new endeavor, we're trying to pick up steam in a new area or whatever, and we know what's out there, especially when we're working with like email outreach. So job applications, booking at venues, finding a new agent. If you're not going into it with the mindset of like, okay, I just need one and I'm going to reach out to everybody possible until I get that one, then it's there's going to be, it's going to be a much longer path Absolutely. and it can be very hard for introverts. The whole yes. thing is that they don't want to do that. Exactly. And I can totally re relate as an introvert as well. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to move on to your book because that's kind of your most recent creation. Um, you just released a book. It's nothing personal. And um, I read it. It's, it's so brilliant. It's so much wisdom in it. And I love how kind it is and how like it really forces you to just really kind of look at yourself and challenge yourself from a place of self-love which is such a great way to do it it's not about like pushing and challenging or just doing something really tough it's about kind of really accepting yourself which can be it is a very hard process but you're guiding it so well um so i was curious if or maybe there are many people who might be thinking they want to write a book or inspired one day to do it i'm wondering in what made you feel like this was the time to write the book? I wish I had a very clear answer for you. I will say that like many things in my life, writing a book was something that I adamantly said I was never going to do until I did it. So like, I was never going to be a coach. And then I became a coach. I was never going to write a blog. And then I had a blog, which actually was the precursor to the book. So many people were like, you should write a book. And I was like, no. No, but because really I was like, it sounds like so much work and I like 
binging Netflix shows and napping. Like, why would I just proactively pour that much work into something? Um, but at the end of last year, at the end of 2020, I had taken two vacations or staycations as they were, um, my first two that year. And they consisted of a lot of sleeping and a lot of staring blankly at walls, which is usually what I do to think about like, what's next? What am I doing? I just turn off everything and I just stare at a wall. And on like the third day of staring at a wall, I was like, yeah, it's time to write a book. Like I can do this. And for me, one of the most transformational journeys in my own life was when I first stepped in as CEO of iCadenza, um, I, I had gotten to that point through this very aggressive achiever way of being. I had been working up until that point, like 80 hours a week plus, I was so certain that there was, um, there were ac actions and accolades that I could get that would prove that I was good enough and actions and accolades that would not come that would prove that I wasn't good enough. Like I was so in that track and like two months into the job at iCadenza, um, I was, I was like, very visibly making myself ill with upset, anger, worry. Um, and, and to me in that moment, I just thought it was everybody else. I was like, this is them, you know, they're ridiculous. They're unreasonable. They're this. And I had multiple coaches and therapists be like, you take everything way too personally. And I was like, it, it felt almost as though the world was crashing down on me because that was something I had been told my whole life but I didn't know how to make it stop. And so my coach, Amy, <clears throat> then led me through, she was my first coach. Um, I hired her and she led me through this process of relating to my triggers as, as information about myself that I could do something with, which is really the process of not taking things personally. And in 2020, I had had a lot of experiences, especially in the summer with entrepreneurs in, in working with them on that specifically. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's gotta be on this. Mm -hmm. I have experience, I've coached a lot of people on this. Um, it's a great subject. And so that's what I did. And then um, I announced, I think in June of 2021 that it was on presale and then it came out August 1st. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. You kind of answered this a little bit, but when you were thinking about the book, who is it for? And who are you thinking is of as the ideal reader? You kind of mentioned entrepreneurs and people you already had experience with and you would could benefit from it. Is that kind of? Yeah, I would say my clients are always, when I write, I write for my clients or for my future clients. Um, but usually to my clients. That's the way my blog started, actually. I was writing an email to a, a group of clients who were going through the same thing. And as I was writing it, I was like, well, I think more people could benefit from hearing this. And I posted it on Facebook. And a lot of people were like, oh my God, I so relate to this. And I was like, hmm, like maybe I'll try this again when the mood strikes. 
Um, so for me, the book really was written for clients and, and also for people who will never work with me, who either they have their own coach or they're not into coaching or they don't have the funds to work with a coach. And I really wanted to make it a book that if this was the only book, like the only touch point that they had with me, that they would get a little dose of my coaching. So that was really my intention going into it. Absolutely. And I love how there at the end, the third chapter is all different exercises you can do. So it's very actionable. It's really practical, which is great. So after reading kind of introduction and reading all the concepts, you really get to practice them on your own. And so that's why it's such, such a uh, helpful book for anyone who's struggling with really taking things personally and just kind of uh, feeling like they were triggered all the time from the environment, which is, I think most of us. Yeah. I have to just say one thing too. I, this literally 30 minutes before this interview, I got a call from a really close friend of mine who I've known for like 20 years. And he, I get this, I didn't pick up the phone. He left me a voicemail and he was like, I finally read your book and it's actually really good. And I was so worried that I'd have to lie to you and tell you it's good, but actually I really enjoyed it. So if that's not a, you know, a selling testimonial, I don't know what it is. Incredible. Totally. I love it. Well, I wanted to move on to um, the idea. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like the, the heart of the book is really kind of the importance of building up your self-worth. And that's where that are most, the biggest pain point for so much of us are. And that's where it all starts. Not accepting, not loving ourselves. And that's yeah. when like everything around us kind of spirals out of control. And um, for people, um, again, it's this affects so many of us. And often I know I had a part of my life when I wasn't aware of this at all. Self-worth can be so obscure part of ourselves we don't know how to access it we don't know how to heal it we don't know what to do we and most of the time we're not even aware there's something wrong with our self-worth and so I'm wondering I know for me that was a messy process to kind of figure it out and heal it and kind of it's a constant process too still it's still going on but I'm wondering for people who are maybe feeling like there's something going on with their self-worth they're not feeling like they're in a good relationship with themselves what is is there where was the first step to take? And is there a step-by-step process for them to even gain awareness of where they are? Yeah, this is a really great question. And it, it makes me think of myself when I first endeavored on this journey. And I genuinely did not believe that I was capable of having high self-worth. Like, I think there was a lot of external confidence occurring in a lot of like bravado and there were certain areas of my life I had confidence in, but an innate sense of self-worth and worthiness just as I am. Looking back, I really, I think it was that I, I didn't believe that it was possible for me to have a high sense of self-worth. In the moment, what it felt like was like incredulous frustration and anger. When people would bring it up, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I do have a high sense of, but there was this little part of me that was like, 
but but how how do you, like no you don't and how do you get there my really close friends would often say to me you know you're really hard on yourself and that those were the times where that voice spoke the loudest because there was this voice in me that was like but how do i be any other way like i don't understand um and so I'm not sure where and when this occurred. I remember the experience. There was this day that I listened in to how I was talking to myself. And I was like, oh, I am being hard on myself. Like I finally, I finally pinpointed the voice. And I think this was even before coaching. I think this was with a therapist. And I proclaimed to a friend, I was like, oh, I found the voice. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to be super aware of every time the voice speaks up and then I'm going to reverse it. And then this will be done. I will have fixed myself. Like I was, I was like, this is, this is a solid plan. I woke up that morning in the first three hours of the day, listening to that voice. I gave myself a migraine and I never get migraines. I was so exhausted. It was because this voice I had been running like on low the whole time, I suddenly was putting a microphone on and it was so mean. And it was like everything. I, there was something that occurred. I think like the exterminator came to my place cause I live in South Florida. So they come and they spray and I like let them in the door and already the voice was like, you should have cleaned up that dish in the sink. You, oh my gosh, you said hi and not hello. Like it was real, everything, every move I made, every, and I had no idea and it totally floored me. So that's a long way of saying that if somebody's listening to this and they identify with any of that and they're like, yeah, but how? The first step is really believing that it's possible for you to be nice to yourself, to have a better relationship with your internal dialogue, to have a sense of ease. Even if you don't know what it's going to look like, even if you have no idea how to get there, the belief is really important. Um, and then I would say pinpointing that voice is key learning to hear it. Now on the other side, I have many instances that I know of, of people who pretty much have a similar story. They started hearing that voice and they were like, oh, this is mean, <laughs> this is awful. And, but you don't have to do it all in one day. I, I mean, I didn't do it in one day, but you don't have to turn the volume up to a 10 right away. You can do it in little increments. That's what I recommend. Um, and then there is a part of it that is faking it till you make it. And I remember a therapist telling me this and I had in my head, I was like, oh, what a terrible therapist. He was a great therapist, but I was like, oh, fake it till you make it. What terrible advice. The difference is it's not faking it externally. It's saying the things internally long enough for them to stick. So faking it till you make it when it comes to like confidence or bravado is being like, I know what I'm talking about, or, you know, like, oh, it's very like um, theatrical. Faking it till you make it with your inner dialogue and inner self-esteem 
is like standing in front of a mirror and telling yourself for five minutes straight uninterrupted, I love you. And at first you might, it might just feel like words and then you might start crying and then you might resent it. But then it's like, oh, a little bit of it sticks. Or when you hear the, like an advanced version of that would be when you hear the voice being like, oh, you should have answered the door right away. Being like, no, it's okay that you answered that. Like, it's totally fine, you're great. To start saying that to yourself rather than just letting the mean voice sit, it starts to replace, it's kind of like um, if you're trying to eat healthier, it's like, try not to eliminate everything. Try to just start with adding one more vegetable in a day. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's so important. And I remember from my journey to awareness was the first, like starting to hear that voice, you start to hear how abusive it is and how it starts to really hurt. And I feel like for myself and maybe a lot of people, it's hard to make, to be aware that you need to change something until it starts to really hurt. And it starts to really kind of drain you. Cause it's really drained though. Once you start noticing it, it takes yeah. so much energy to fight it. And you need to be, for myself, I had to be a really low point to really decide to change things. And, but it's hard if you're not aware of it or start not getting curious about the voice and being more aware of it. It's hard to want to change it as much because you're not, not noticing the damage it does as well. Yeah. It's a really, that's a really great point. It's a really painful thing to look at our shadows. The reality is for us to grow as humans, usually it takes an enormous amount of bravery and practice, like kind of launching ourselves off of that cliff or a low point or a trauma or a breaking point that pushes us into the work. And the work itself can take months to years. Yeah, absolutely. And so for anyone kind of who's struggling with sense of self-worth and they're thinking they're not where they want to be, they don't feel at ease with themselves, they don't feel loving at all to themselves. Like the first step, as Lisa said, to be, to know that there is an alternative, that you can be the person you want to be. You are meant to be in love with yourself. You're meant to be at ease with yourself. And the first step, I guess the second step would be just to start listening to your voice and time alone, walking, meditating, but just in general, even if you ask yourself that question, what is my self-talk? What's happening inside? Things will start, you'll start noticing things as long as you get curious. And from yeah. there, just get Lisa's book and you'll be fine. <laughs> she has all the, <laughs> yeah, all the exercises and how to take you from there on as well. It'll solve everything. No, I'm just kidding. It'll, it, it's, the, the final thing I'll say on this is it really is a process. Like uh, a lot of people I work with will sometimes get really upset because maybe two, three, four years earlier, they went down this journey of self-love and they find themselves seemingly back in the same place. But it's, I see it kind of like a spiral that's moving upwards, right? It's like we come back to the same point, but at a slightly elevated place. Um, so there are things we've heard our whole life that we weren't ready to hear yet. And then there are things that we are learning now that we're going to learn at a deeper level in a few years. And that's also a part of being really kind to and patient with ourselves. 
I have to agree. That's been my experience too, because it's so easy to, and especially in our world, like it's so linear and we think, oh, I didn't reach it. Oh, I'm back to where, no, it's not always back. And I love the idea of spiral because often things repeat and they teach us a new lesson and on a new level, on a new level of understanding and processing. Yeah. And just knowing that that's a journey, kind of being comfortable with kind of letting it go. As long as you're always curious for what's happening on the inside, it's so important. And I'm curious about you, once you did all the work and you went through this journey of self-discovery, I know, I know it's a pro always work in progress, but was there a moment when you look back and you saw, whoa, this is what I had gone through. This is how far I've gone. Like from being that in your emotions and taking everything seriously and being that trigger to being at peace and kind of in control and kind of being like, I'm comfortable with myself. Like, was there a point where you saw this and what was the biggest payback of that work and that journey for you? Yeah, I would say this is a really great question because, and you set it up perfectly, which is to say that still, I mean, probably like five times this morning, there are voices that chime in that are like, you should have done this better. It, it's just my relationship with that voice has changed. Um, and I know how to work through that process in a way that doesn't take a year to move past something. It takes like five minutes to move past something. Um, but there were, there were many stages professionally. Um, so the journey kind of began at the beginning of my CEO time at iCadenza and not the end of my CEO time, but um, I had been flying out regularly to California. So my last trip to California um, as CEO, there was a, a meeting that I was having with the team. And without going into too much detail, like meetings like this tended to be prime time for me to take things super personally. Um, we were talking about planning, we were talking about budgeting, we were talking about things that triggered a lot of other people, myself included, like it was, and in those situations, as soon as somebody would get upset, especially if they would turn that upset at me, I would be like, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with me? Like I would go straight, that was my old pattern. So I was sitting, I will never forget this moment, on the floor, I had my laptop and I brought up a subject. And immediately somebody got triggered and they pointed it at me and they were like, I feel like you're attacking me. And I was like, okay, tell me more. And as they spoke, it became so clear to like, there was just this, oh, this isn't about me. Like this has nothing to do with what I just brought up. This like clarity and I, it, it kind of shook me. I honestly didn't hear most of what they said. They had started talking to somebody else, but I was like, whoa. And then, <laughs> and then I, I couldn't believe it. So like later I spoke to that person and I was like, when you were getting upset about this, I thought it was about me, but it wasn't. And they were like, yeah, it wasn't about you. I was like, whoa. And I told my coach, I was like, this happened. And this is what you have meant where it hasn't been about me. And she was like, uh-huh. And I was like, whoa. It was like, finally, this piece had been um, lifted off. And that was professionally. And then personally, actually, I had had a series of situations um, in dating people where 
there was a story of like me being too intense and I was like taking it so personally and I was trying to like fix myself and be different and the next person I dated would be like they would start with you're not too intense and at the end they'd be like you're too intense and I'm like no and it was this awful thing um and and then one day at the end of 2019 I just I had like my fifth iteration of that situation and I I was like no no like I I like lined up all the situations that had occurred and I realized how me carrying this story as as truth of like I'm too intense was causing me to put myself down berate myself seek out partners who confirmed the berated version of myself subtly and then ultimately verbally and it was just a cycle that kept going and there was this aha where I was like oh this has nothing to do with my worth I've just created this system based on trying to battle an imaginary ghost and the same was true in my professional life so yeah so those were like two big landmarks for me um but like I said it's something I work with every day that's huge that's so so great and seem, seems like even it was you were talking about this there's a certain when we are reactive when we are triggered there's this fast pace like kind of like literally like pushing a button and you react and there's no time for thought and you just even the way you said it when there were when you had different awareness just everything moved so slowly you had the time to be like it's almost like slow motion bullet coming it's just like wait that's not what it is it doesn't have to be this and just you have this like time to process like you kind of mm-hmm. change time in a way when you change yeah. your awareness even the way you said it, it seemed like there was this expansiveness in space and time where you can be like, slow it down. Wait, that's not what's happening. You're just having that, that's what awareness can really give you that time that we usually just don't have for ourselves. We just react so fast as well. Yeah. I'll say also, I have a client who I was just coaching through this and she had, she was like, it takes me two days to move past something. And she was like, why am I so slow? And I was like, okay, but where were you a year ago? Because I had worked with her for many years. I was like, where were you a year ago? And she was like, oh, it used to take me over a week. And a year before that, it would take her months. Like, yeah, it's, it's a practice. Like, it really is. And it's like how quickly we can start to turn that over. And the stronger we get in that practice, the daily things that used to set us off, almost seemingly instantly, it's actually not instantly it's just a hyper fast processing we're like oh yeah that's not about me next the moment you have that clarity and allow yourself to have that clarity it's incredible how everything shifts yeah it's with a lot of work and so much awareness that you know it's always takes a long time yeah and um i love that you mentioned like so much of your work is your coach you work with everybody but you, you so much of what you've been focusing on lately is especially entrepreneurs and people who are building businesses. And especially in the last year and a half, I feel even, especially a lot of creative people have 
realize they have to learn business skills and to really create your own business and to start something on your own, which I feel like that's kind of a huge trend worldwide. Like everyone's realizing what they really want to do. And the next thing, and how do they learn to monetize and learn the business skill behind it. And um, you're so great, not only as a coach, but also as a businesswoman. And I personally have always um, been interested to learn more about business from you because I know your expertise and wisdom on the subject. And I'm so excited that you have two events coming up that are all about kind of upping your business skills. And I was wondering if you could share that with the audience. I'm sure it's going to be helpful for everyone. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. So, um, and thanks for saying I'm a, good, a great businesswoman. I, I think I am. <laughs> I'll bet myself on the shoulder. I think I am. Um, and I'll explain why, but I'm holding two events and one of them is totally free and one of them's a little bit of money. Um, the totally free one is happening the 28th of September through the 7th of October. It's 10 days. It has Zoom coaching calls. It has Q&A sessions. And it has, it's going to have a daily video that's sent out with content. Um, it's called It's All Your Business, The Intensive. And then for people who the intensive is not intense enough, um, I have at the end of October, I think it's October 20th through 29th, the intensiver. Um, it's just like, I'm a simple namer of things. Like, okay, intensive's not enough, go for the intensiver, which is essentially going to be the same types of things. It's just going to be more hands-on support. So there's going to be a coaching call every day, um, a Q&A session every day, and a video every day. For me, this is... Um, as you mentioned, this is not at all really my coaching work, though I do bring this into my coaching of other coaches and business people. Um, but these two weeks are intended for anybody who identifies as an entrepreneur or a head of a business. That business could have employees. They could not. The business could be your full-time thing. It could literally be like a low-key side hustle on Etsy. It does not matter. It could be freelance musicianing, um, freelance anything. So the two, the intensive and the intensive are, um, are really, especially the intensive, which is totally free, are really from my heart to people who just feel lost on the business side and either that's costing them, they're worried it's gonna cost them or it's holding them back because it really can just be so simple. Like we get to run our businesses in a way that's supportive to us. So it's something I feel just so passionately about. And I hope that if anybody's listening to this and they're feeling at all insecure about the business operation side of their business, that they just sign up. And again, there's the free option and then the not so free option. Um, but it's really gonna be the same material, just more hands-on support in the second one. And how much of um, time commitment, uh, live time commitment is there for people? Just curious if somebody can make some of the calls, is everything gonna be recorded? And Yeah, great question. I was looking at the website the other day and I was like, oh, I didn't put this on the website, I don't think. Yeah, every session is gonna be recorded. So in the intensive, it's 10 days, there's gonna be five hour long Zoom calls that are gonna be, um, they're coaching calls, but they're essentially live Q and A's where people are going to come with their own stuff. I'm going to talk, coach them on it. And we, as a group are going to observe, those are all going to be recorded. 
um, for those who register, they'll get those emailed to them. Uh, the Q&A sessions are going to be run on Voxer, so on a Voxer broadcast. So for those of you who aren't familiar, it's a walkie-talkie app. So basically every night at like 7.30 or 8, I'll, I'll answer questions that have been submitted to me via email. And for anybody who is subscribed to that Voxer app, they can catch it live and also live email in additional questions, or they can catch it the morning after or whatever. People in the group will have unlimited access to all of that stuff. And then the emails with the videos, again, they'll have unlimited access to that. The intensiver is 10 days, 10 hour long Zoom coaching calls. All of them will be recorded. 10 Q and A's via Voxer. All of them will be there in perpetuity and 10 new videos um, also emailed to them. So yeah, it's, it's a type of thing where for people who are really there for the live calls, um, you know, they're gonna take place on the Eastern time zone because that's where I am. But for people who are like, oh, I want my questions answered and are willing to submit them via email or send me a message via Voxer, everybody's gonna get their questions answered. Wonderful. And I love how uh, inclusive it is and how much support you're giving to everyone. That's so wonderful. Yeah. And I know when I was coaching somebody over this same thing the other day where they were entrepreneur and we were talking about this and so many of us, people who are running their own business or creatives and want to do something on their own, it's so hard to be your own boss. I think that's often what it comes down to because we're the creative part, the thing that the fashion part is kind of feels easy, but the real problem comes when like the business part and the boss that just has to make those like very clear cut decisions. They're very hard to do from the inside, from the same place as the creative and passion place. And I think that's where a lot of us struggle to really kind of excel in the business part of our business. So that's why yeah. it's such a great uh, thing that you're doing this. I'm joining personally because I'm just so excited to learn more about this. Yeah, I saw your name. I was so excited. I was like, yes, <laughs> friendly faces are always welcome. Um, I will say in, for anybody who's listening now, who for whatever reason, isn't going to join me for the intensive. Um, if I had one piece of advice for people in terms of the business side and being better at being your own boss, um, accuracy is incredibly important. This is where I see a lot of people go wrong. It's where those who coach with me know that I can be ruthless and holding them accountable. I have very little patience for funny math because, and I, I've always had little patience for funny math because I used to do a lot of funny math and then I would end up in a whole, like in my personal life, I did a lot of funny math and then I ended up in a lot of debt. So in my business, it can be painful at first to be very accurate, but it's like, we wanna be with our numbers like, so for example, I'll sometimes have coaches who will tell me like, oh, I just signed on three new clients. And then a week later, they're like, oh, like one of them pulled out or two of them pulled out. And I'll be like, whoa, whoa, like you said three signed on. What was signing on? And maybe for them, one of them said yes, one of them, they proposed their fees and the person was like, reacted really interested, but they were like, oh, I'll think about it. And, you know, whatever. 
to me, I'm really clear. Like until that money is in my bank account, that money is not counted on my budgeting spreadsheet. I have different things to denote money that's coming down the pipeline and different color codes that I use. But when looking at what my business has brought in, I, with myself, am very accurate. And it's helpful for people to be accurate about, oh, this is what signing a client is. This is what, when I count the money, because otherwise we just open ourselves up to so much heartbreak and headache. Um, so accuracy is just the biggest tool. Absolutely. That's so helpful. We have to be more ruthless about it. It's important. It's, it doesn't come naturally to everyone. Depending yeah. On our brain works. But it's so, so important. Thank yeah. you, Lisa. So wonderful having you here. So wonderful talking to you. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom. Where can people find you if they want to find out more about how you work or just connect with you on social media? Yeah. The best place to find me is my website, lisahusseini.com. On social media, really all the places, Facebook, Lisa Husseini, both the personal and professional page. On Instagram, I'm actually Lisa Najibi. Um, Lisa, and as a Nancy A-J-I-B-E, that's my middle name. Some small girl in Germany has the Lisa Husseini handle. Um, so she, she looks very ambitious though. So I'm, I'm happy for her. Um, and yeah, LinkedIn, all the places, but from those places, people can absolutely email me. Um, and that's my biggest invitation is if, if ever in any interviews, books, whatever, I think even in my book, I have my email address. If anybody has any questions about anything I said, directly contact me via email because I'm happy to answer. Wonderful. And you can also get Lisa's book. It's nothing personal there as well from the website. Yeah. It's wonderful talking to you, Lisa. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you everyone for watching and I'll see you next time. Bye.